You're listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. That's me, your naturally platinum blonde pop culture connoisseur. I'm the reality TV junkie, self-improvement addict, and host with only the hottest tea spilled fresh all week long. Those balls have gotten you into trouble, though. Oh, you? Yeah. They picked us because we're horny. Yeah. Right. And that's your chronic state. 24-7. <laughs> My life has changed so much that it's almost like a completely different life. From the latest news on The Real Housewives. I'm so happy to be here and engage with you. Deep dives into celebrity legal scandals and unfiltered convos with your favorite stars. I've got you covered. And yes, I always keep receipts. Welcome on in, guys. Welcome on in. I'm so excited to kick off our hump day today. I've been doing a lot of coverage. I dabbled in. We started doing, we had book club every week where we were recapping Tom Bauer's book, Revenge, which dove into Meghan Markle and her relationship with Prince Harry and their relationship with the royal family and breaking away. And then obviously we went on to cover the six-part documentary series that they did with Netflix. And people, there's been a lot of attention around Meghan and Harry. And I didn't realize people were so invested in Meghan and Harry, specifically Meghan. And I did not realize that Meghan Markle has stands that you are not allowed to come for. If you say anything remotely critical about Meghan Markle, they will come for your neck. And naturally, when that happens to me, it makes me want to dive in even more. So today's episode is going to be solely dedicated to lies that Meghan Markle has told us. And I figured I need somebody that actually knows what things are like on the other side of the globe, not from these these dumb Americans like me here. I'm a dumb blonde American. I'm a Marilyn Monroe here in Los Angeles, and I don't fully understand the world of Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, but I brought on somebody that you may remember that's been on this podcast before. She's the host of the Aspirational Podcast. She is newly married, newly pregnant, and she's about to be a mommy. Please welcome back on Hashtag No Fields with Zach Peter, Diana Espear. I cannot believe it has been a whole year I think last since time, I've not done a podcast. I think last time you were on the podcast, or last time we even collabed was like the Brandy and Denise Scissorgate affair. Oh my God. God, yeah, it, what, things are getting a lot more serious in pop culture. Let me tell you, it used to be Brandy Denise. Now right. we're like Meghan Markle, like royal family. Um, no, but this is the first time I'm actually getting behind a mic in like a year. But I don't know when you said like come on the podcast, I was just like, oh my gosh, yes. Whereas like I've literally kept myself quiet for a whole year. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you did it because you have so many opinions about Meghan and Harry. And I was like, OK, at least I it's I didn't realize how polarizing they were as a couple. Oh, my God. But wait, like when you said that she has all these stands that will come for you, that fucking terrifies me. Yeah, it terrifies me. Like, also, wait, I can't believe you introduced me as like an almost new mom. Like, ew, but like true. <laughs> it's true. But wait, A lot has happened yeah, like, since I, I never... last chatted with you. You were single living so with your you're puppy. Like yeah, no, but you're like, she's a new mom, almost new mom. I'm like, ew, I never thought that would ever be said on a podcast. And then you're like, you're just throwing so much at me. Then you're like, Meghan Markle has these tan stands that like, if you say anything about her, they'll come for you. I don't have people coming for me when I'm going into labor. Just don't. <laughs> like, whatever. Well, I found people in the DMs and people on YouTube and on the podcast. The podcast is a little 50-50. On YouTube, they're really supportive. Um, and the oh. YouTube has been popping off with the, my Meghan Markle coverage. Don't post anything on Instagram because that's where they will come for you. That's where they're at. On TikTok, they're fine with this content. Instagram comments are the only place. Instagram DMs are fine. But Instagram comments, people are ruthless and toothless oh my gosh can I just tell you though when I'm thinking of all the trolls coming to like troll me on Instagram because of my opinions I'm terrified but then I remember all the shit that I have to say and all my thoughts and feelings about Meghan Markle and Harry and then I'm like I don't think I care because I think that I'm right <laughs> do you know what I mean but it's like so wrong okay <laughs> so where where are you zooming in from what part of the world are you in right now are you in London so, yes, I live in London now. I obviously lived in L.A. for like four or five years um, where we met, became friends, collabed, everything. And now I'm actually back in London, which is I'm not from London, but I am like I'm English. I grew up between Switzerland and the U.K. I lived in the U.K. for seven years before I moved to L.A. So I am I, I consider myself like a full throttle like Londoner, but obviously I'm not like 
you know, an OG Londoner. So you grew up with the royal family as part of like your 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 culture. Like we have the Kardashians and you have the royal family. Yeah, like I was never super like crazy invested until yeah. all this shit. But like, you know, I, I was born with an English passport. My dad is English. Um, my dad went to English boarding school, just like, you know, the princes and um yeah, like my all my cousins, I grew up like they're all in London, my uncles and aunties, like all our family gatherings, reunions, etc. Like London, English. Yeah, because for us here in America, all we really know about the royal family is Princess Diana and her tragic passing and then her boys, Prince William and Prince Harry. We know of Queen Elizabeth and now we're learning about it through like Netflix's The Crown. So we're watching The Crown and we're kind of getting a little more insider tea and scoop onto what the royal family is like and what things are like behind closed doors but we didn't grow up with like that being our first family so that's why it's so interesting for me to see I mean I get people loving Princess Diana I get people liking Meghan Markle but like this whole comparison between Diana and Meghan like to me the boot doesn't fit it's like OJ we're in court the glove doesn't fit like make it make sense obviously we know he did that's a bad analogy but you get what I'm saying Well, I think he does because, you know, there's a there's truth behind like you, you will marry or go for someone that reminds you of like your parents. Like, I think there's truth to that. Um, But that's personal to him. It's not necessarily how everyone will perceive um, Meghan Markle. So, you know, I, I, for example, like now that I'm married, what the fuck, by the way, um, you know, I can see why I picked the husband that I picked for myself because there's so many aspects of him that remind me of my dad and how he he treated me as a as a girl and as a woman like you want that kind of familiarity so I'm not surprised that Harry would make these comparison between Meghan and his mom um note to self um I'm sure that you know he got he gathered all the information the press there's so many interviews of her but she passed away when he was very young. So right. his memory of his mum is also quite limited. Right. Do, which, do you get what I'm saying? Which he acknowledges in the documentary. And from, I don't know if you've right. read Tom Bauer's book, Revenge, um, but he basically gives like the alternative side of the the narrative that Meghan and Harry have been trying to put out into the media. And he adds a little more context that I think was left out of a lot of the interviews that they've done or the, the narrative that they try to put out there. My impression yeah. is that Harry definitely has some mommy issues and there's something within Megan, not not so much that Megan reminds him of Diana, but I think Megan has this way of acting as a mother towards him that to him feels comforting. And so he's working through those issues of not having his mother as he became a teenager and grew into a young man and became the man that he is now. I think she's fulfilling some of those mommy issues that he had growing up because it doesn't even seem like they were that close when he was younger with her because obviously she was this big, you know, celebrity in, in the UK. I mean, it's a very standard reaction that when you're missing a maternal or a paternal figure in your life, you kind of look for that in a partner. Like, that's not the first time it's happened. It's not new. Like, it's a very common reaction to to losing a parent quite young. You know, I have so many friends. You know, I have a friend who lost her dad when she was very young and she's got a way older boyfriend. Like, it's a quite a standard reaction to something like that. So not surprising. Um, But also, don't you feel like, obviously, it's hard for me to to say, but when when you're younger, you have this like perception of your parents. And as you grow older, you kind of become more aware of like, maybe their faults or stuff that they they did growing up that you wouldn't want to do or wouldn't want to like bring into your own family and like when you lose a parent so young you don't get that those revelations if that makes sense and I'm not saying that there were any bad things about Diana like I personally don't know but you don't have that perspective that you have when you've had the luxury of being able to have a parent older. So all these comparisons to Diana, as I said, are very personal to him, but they're also through the lens of like a very, very young boy, um, a very young, innocent boy as well. So 
The interesting part of the Diana comparisons for me, though, is first of all, there are a lot of differences between Diana and Meghan, right? Diana entered the the palace when she was very young. She was there much longer. Meghan wasn't there for very long. She came in as an American actress that already had, you know, a reputation with, you know, Harry was the party boy. So for him to bring his young, new American actress uh, girlfriend that was divorced and, you know, is now trying to fit into the royal family. Family, to me, I don't think that they would take that type of re- relationship that seriously. You know, Harry was the party boy in comparison to William. And one of Harry's American girlfriends is just not somebody that I think the royal palace is going to try to bet all their eggs on to protect when they, you know, when it, it's in I comparison to other I, members know, of the royal family. They, they make it seem like it's a royal palace reaction. Like, ooh, like there's this preconception about her because she's a Hollywood actress. I think that any person, th- think of your own family as you as a human yourself. If a member of your family came and introduced you to a new girlfriend that was a movie star or a TV star, you would have those same preconceived ideas of what a Hollywood movie star is like. I don't think that's a reaction that is specific to the royal family. I think that's everyone. Right. Do you get what I'm saying? Yes. So like I'm 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 a bit like I'm a bit confused by why that was turned into such a like no one took me seriously because I'm a Hollywood actress. No one takes Hollywood actors seriously. That's, like, no one. <laughs> yes, and that's my biggest thing is so many people try to make these arguments. Yeah. Like, the, the press was mean to them and they were awful. The the tabloids, National Enquirer isn't nice to anybody. They lie and talk shit about everybody. Like, why are we watching a documentary about mean headlines from the National Enquirer and we think that that's specific to Meghan and Harry? Well, so, you know, I, I like to play devil's advocate yeah. because... I didn't used to be that way, but I guess being a mummy or whatever growing up, like I always do try to be devil's advocate and put myself in someone else's shoes. And the truth is she did get more hate than the other members. No, she did get more. She got a lot more because of the reasons that they listed, because, you know, she was a Hollywood actress, because, you know, she did get very racist um, articles about her that she did like she was a victim of racism um there's so many things that i do empathize with um with regards to the way she was treated um that's separate to the documentary and the the factually incorrect things that were said in the documentary and also like the reaction to the documentary. I think that they're two very separate things in my opinion. So what was the initial impression of Meghan Markle when she based off of, you know, people in the UK um, or people around you that are more familiar with the Royal family, what was kind of the initial reaction to her coming out publicly dating Harry? And then when did that sort of start to change? Because that was not made clear to me from the documentary so when she started publicly dating harry i was still in la so i was not amongst like english people like kind of gathering like opinions and stuff all i knew was that i was a big fan of suits i love suits i think it's a great show um i loved her in suits and i loved her as an actress um so I was actually a big fan of Suits, like regardless of her being married, like way before. Um, So I personally was a fan of hers before all of that happened. Um, And I think um, based off of what I heard from like friends and stuff, I can't speak for like the media and the general public, but just from conversations I had with friends, um, people were quite excited about her. I think people were excited. You know, she brought a lot to the table. She had a lot of like different things that she could bring to the table that, you know, any other English girl could not really. Um, And I think that a lot of people actually admired and respected her career at the time. Okay, Um, That's the impression I got. And I know she was a little bit like... um, unusual because you know with the royal family had never had a hollywood star whatever but if i remember correctly she was kind of compared to like a grace kelly like people were like wow like cool you know yeah that's yeah what, they that's called her I yeah they called her it. what the royal rock star that's, yeah that's what like, she was talking I, about I, 
I don't remember it being a negative um, reaction. I do think that the monarchy has seriously fucked up in so many ways. Like that's also a whole different topic. But to, for, to just answer your question, cool, excited, new, different. And yes, he's the party boy. We never expected him to like end up dating a scholar right. or like, do you know what I mean? No he one was never expected bring that from him. From him. Yeah. Well, he was always dating the models. He was all and out of all the models and all the people that he could have brought back, like she was probably like, oh, wow, like he got he got a good one. Yeah. And so when do you remember it kind of the tone changing and like what was it that kind of shifted from when everybody seemed to embrace her and felt like, yeah, maybe this could bring some radical change to the monarchy. Maybe this could kind of, you know, push us forward. Like, when did that shift happen? Do you remember? Because that's. So I didn't, I have to be honest, I didn't follow it closely enough to notice that shift. I only became very invested in like the whole situation when the Oprah interview came out. Um, because to me, as like, you know, I'm a pop culture consumer. I'm not like a super pop culture consumer, like super fan. But like to me, all the rumors and like, you know, she's horrible. She's a diva. She did this like the royal family hate her. Like all this stuff to me was, as they say in the documentary, just tabloid chat, which as right people who work in the entertainment we know um has to be taken with a pinch of salt right so i i i it was kind of white noise to me the whole okay. thing that I, I didn't notice a shift because anything that was said was just white noise yeah i think for me the confusing part is i i never saw a clear shift and the documentary keeps giving us these conflicting points of view of like we were loved and embraced but then we were also being slammed in the press and people really liked that she was bringing radical change to the monarchy and then people were being super mean to her on social media and the press was embracing her and her style and all this stuff and the press the press was mean and racist to her and i just couldn't find where the exact moment the turning point was or when the uk became like when the shift happened from when we loved and embraced her to when we became racist and were unfairly beating down on her well i think the reason you can't find a shift is because when someone gets so famous on such a large scale there's going to be both both right there's going to be people that super love you and there's going to be people that super hate you and on that scale the amount of hate is huge right. so it obviously affects you more right. and i think that's what she's trying to say in the documentary she's trying to say like it's one thing to like you know you're a tv personality you get love you get hate but when you get hate on that scale it hits different it does hit different so i don't that there was a shift in like the perception of megan and harry until they decided to exit the royal family. I think there was a bit of love on in the tabloids. There was hate uh, in the tabloids. And the, the shift really happened when people were like, oh, shit. Like, that's what I think from from yeah. from just being um, a regular person who wasn't like digging. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So now watching the documentary, I know you've spotted a few conflicting stories with, you know, what they were telling us in the documentary compared to some of your own experiences what were some of those those uh incidents that you spotted because i spotted okay. a few yeah no so i basically i started like following your coverage and i was like holy shit like someone's doing that <laughs> like I, you literally no no one posted about this you're the only one who posted about this apparently it's like not you're not supposed to or else they'll come for you you're a hundred percent supposed to do those things that's yeah that's our job is to like and listen it's to play devil's advocate and to have opinions and to poke holes in things like here's the thing nobody dragged me when i tore casey anthony apart with her heard trash documentary on peacock <laughs> Let me, okay, so I I, I kind of want to preface because I I basically just sent you a DM yeah. with an opinion based on like a personal experience, yeah. which pains me to actually like talk about in public because it's gonna make me so fucking annoying and unrelatable. But like I also have to because I have like 
obviously the insider yeah. like our jobs information. Aren't to, yeah, our jobs aren't to be relatable. So please be as unrelatable as you can. Yeah, exactly. But also, like, I just want to make a few things clear before I like talk to you about because you you did this whole coverage about the outfits, yeah. right? Which your I coverage thought was, was so all... easy. I thought it was like such a simple. So for anybody that hasn't been on Instagram, I did a post where Meghan Markle was talking about um, how you can't wear the same color as the queen at a public event. And you can't wear the same color as a senior, as a member senior, uh, as a senior member of the royal family. And how she just wanted to wear a lot of muted tones so that she can kind of just fade into the background. So I took that audio clip and I posted a montage of photos of other members of the royal family wearing the exact same color as the queen, a photo of Diana and the queen wearing almost identical similar floral patterns. I posted several photos of Kate Middleton wearing the same colors as other members of the royal family. And then I posted a series of photos of Meghan from 2018 to 2019 of her wearing color and lots of different colors showing that she wasn't only wearing muted tones and she wasn't only trying to blend in. And so people took issue with that because they're like, oh, like, you know, Megan was obviously given a very specific set of rules and the monarchy was mean to her. So they didn't want her to wear all these things. And so people, people are twisting themselves into pretzels in order to kind of excuse it. But I'm like, the photos speak for themselves. And so that's the post that I. And the the photos make the information that we're given in the documentary come across like fucking bullshit. Yes, less like, credible. Yeah, it's it's less credible. And also, I also want to say in the top at the top of my head, not that I've like looked into it, but Meghan Markle, as a movie Hollywood person, was not known to like wear crazy colors. Like she was always right. kind of like a more muted person with her fashion. Yeah, always very so, sleek, um, always very muted, a lot of blacks, a lot of, of royal blues. Yeah, so like I get it that she was probably given this set of rules, but also like you've always been that way. Like you've always worn but, muted colors. But here's the other issue with that is she also says she was never given a set of rules. that She had to Google all of these things. And that's how she was learning about how to be part of the Royal family because nobody was guiding her. Nobody was telling her what to do. So it's like, so did they give you a very specific set of rules that was only unique to you? Or did you not know anything? And you were Googling these things because you're giving us again, two different stories. And this happens a lot throughout the documentary. Okay, let me just ask the listeners and the haters and everyone who's like listening to this podcast a very specific question. You meet a prince. He's a prince. The grandma's the queen. You don't know what you have to wear at an event. Who the fuck do you ask? The prince. The prince. You your, ask your boyfriend. Your boyfriend. You ask your boyfriend. Okay. You don't Google. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I, I don't buy it. Like, even dating anyone like when I first met my husband's parents and he was like we're going to dinner at their house I was like what should I wear and yeah the guy isn't gonna know but he's gonna ask the mom he's gonna ask the sister like google or you like all, do you, you think that know, I fucking google you also know the level of like fancy of your family like mom expects you to wear a dress or come in jeans because everyone's going to be wearing slippers. Like, you know, you know how to gauge that sort of level of it too. Yeah. Like, and I'm sure that they had people around them that she could ask. Like, I don't buy that, but then who am I? Like, I've never been inside the, the fucking palace or any, I've never even visited the palace. So who am I? But I'm just saying, I don't fully buy it. And also I don't think this stuff is Googleable because that information usually would not be made public yeah. by anyone who has who had stepped inside the the, the, the Buckingham Palace. Like right. I just, I, I don't buy. I, I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. But maybe it, I'm just ignorant. But so what I was going to say is, I have all these opinions, right? But my opinions are not necessarily about like Meghan Markle, like herself as a human, right? right? I, for me, it's like there's a few different things. There's Meghan Markle as a human. We'll never fucking know her. No right. one is going to ever fucking know her. Um, there's the monarchy. We're never going to know what happens truly behind closed doors. And there's this, this stupid fucking Netflix documentary. D do you know what I mean? And to me, like, they're all separate. Yeah. The, 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 the dots don't connect for me. Right. 
right. that makes sense. Well, and um, I don't know if I'm making. No, it does. But... I'm also very pregnant and hormonal. So, yeah, like, yeah. tell me if I'm not making sense. No, no, no you're making sense. <laughs> um, so, for for example, like, I completely empathize with the bullying, with the feeling suicidal. Yeah, I completely empathize with Same. that. I've been bullied on such a smaller scale, and I also felt like. I want to end my life. So I don't think that she's wrong in feeling that way. Yeah. And I do think that the lack of support or whatever it's is a is a terrible thing. Right? And I do think that the the monarchy and the royal family fucked up in providing her that support and I also feel like they fucked up on a super opportunity to like modernize themselves right. and like you know present themselves as like a forward-thinking monarchy do you know what i mean right. and she was she was that opportunity for them to become One, modern and yep. to like do, do you get what i'm saying 1, and like yes. i feel and i feel like when people give their opinions about this very self-indulgent and very personal documentary they diminish those things yeah. and it's not true do you get what I'm saying? Yes, I feel like it's very black and white that like you can't have empathy for Megan and also criticize some of the contradictions in her stories. Like we're not allowed to do both where I'm like, I can empathize with her. I can think she's a gorgeous yeah. woman. I can love her style. I can think yeah. her love story with Harry is great, but I can also point out the inconsistencies in her stories and they don't have to be synonymous. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. And that's where like, I think there's like a disconnect with all the, the trolls and the super fans and like, you know, and, 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 and because there's like the racism word, word, um, word that's thrown in there, mm -hmm. you know, you, you, you feel like everything is all connected and in some ways they are, but in some ways they're, they're not, not right? because, I think that this Netflix documentary is a huge faux pas, but I think that the first faux pas that was made is that she was not incorporated into the family properly enough for them to really um, benefit from having someone like her in the royal family. They fucked up. My only pushback on that, though, is she was so new. She wasn't here for 10 years. She wasn't here long. Yeah. And again, it came if it came in through William, I think it would have been a little different. But it came in from Harry, who's the younger guy, who's the party boy, who is getting in all these scandals in the press, who's constantly, you know, getting his name put out there in a negative light with all of his party boy tendencies. And I just don't think they took Harry's new girlfriend all that seriously as they would have Williams because there's a different it's reputation true. with the two boys that I I agree that there was an opportunity to radicalize things and to move things forward and to make them the core four that could push the monarchy into the future but at the same time I just feel like we're putting too much of an expectation on the monarchy for Harry's new girlfriend who was barely there for a they were what married for not even two years when they left that is true. That is that is very true. It was still an opportunity and they didn't take yeah. it. They I, didn't take yeah, it. I agree. It's I agree their fault. Like whatever. Okay. And yeah, like she's not going to be like the ticket to the future because right. it's Harry and he was a bit of a dummy, dumb, dumb, like back in yeah. the day and whatever. But there was room for so much and it was not used correctly. And that I like I, I, I truly stand by that. Um, there's, there's, I'm getting mixed up because I'm like a bit, I get very emotional and invested when I'm pregnant. It's very different podcasting. Can yeah. I just say podcasting when you're not pregnant? <laughs> I say this shit yeah. and I have no feelings Yeah. and now I'm talking and I like feel something and yeah. it's weird for me. It's okay. <laughs> um, the Netflix documentary I, I can't. I, I don't even know where to. I, I don't know where to begin. How like why I think it was so wrong. Okay, and that is different to my opinion on Megan right. and all the bullshit that comes with the documentary. Right, 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 but I right. just want to give you like a little whatever. Okay, Netflix documentary. Um, incredibly self indulgent. Okay, we all everyone thought that, and this is the thing. I don't think it is the right thing to be silent when, you know, you you have a problem. As in, she should have seeked help 100%. You know, um, she, she should have voiced some concerns. 
she should have like taken or they should have helped her a hundred percent right but i think that when it comes to negative press there is a lot to be said about taking a step back Back. you cannot force people who don't like you into liking you because they are going to hate you more you are but by trying so hard to make people like you more you are feeding the press with more ammunition yep. to make people hate you more i i don't know if if this is making sense no 100 um, so so i think that a lot of people and we've seen n- note to self all the hate that she was getting was not deserved but we've seen in the last two years a lot of people get cancelled right yeah. because they were fucking assholes and they took a step back. They worked on on themselves. You know, they took the high road, and they rose above all the all this hate that was thrown at them. They took and per- then personal eventually, inventory. They, exactly. And then eventually, the press becomes kinder, and the people kind of like work their way back to you in some kind of odd way once once all the the emotions are out of the way and people have like expressed all their hate then they start to see the person behind all the things that they hate and they kind of start to like warm to this person more and that's kind of the process of like you know getting so much hate in the press and then coming back and redefining your image. We've seen it happen so many times. And I think that what she was doing was relentless. It was relentless podcast. It was a book. It was the Oprah interview. It was the Netflix. And like, that is what is making people think that you are a little bit manipulative. It's the relentlessness. Do you know what I mean? And that is what is making people feel like they can't trust her because there's too much control that is trying to be taken in this situation. And I'm not trying to say you should shut the fuck up, but I'm also saying like, you've been very relentless. No, sometimes you need to shut the fuck up and take personal inventory (laughs) and listen to what people are saying. Cause like, look at Anne Hathaway, I think is a perfect example. People thought she was a total twat and they thought she was awful and the biggest bitch and whatever. She's like, so I went away for a little bit because I didn't understand why people thought this horrible, you know, perception why they had this horrible perception of me. So I, I left and I went away and I went quiet and I meditated and I did my own thing and realized that their projections onto me are not who I am. And I'm just going to be who I am as fully and as authentically as I can, whether you like me or you dislike me. But she took the time to take personal inventory. Megan and Harry did not do that. They immediately went on the defensive. Harry issued the second Megan was starting to get negative um negative articles written about her he went and called the press racist in a statement like they started making accusations at the press which is what they wanted the the royal press house to start doing was make statements on their behalf and the, they were like no no no. Our, our thing is don't like don't engage don't comment on it just like let them run wild with their own thing and eventually it'll die down and Meghan and Harry never gave this an opportunity to die down they kept adding fuel yeah. to the fire and they kept making it exactly worse and fanning the flames they gave ammunition so when mm-hmm. Megan is like, people said it was going to die down, but it didn't. Well, it, it's only going to die down if you do nothing. Yeah. It's not going to die down if you feel the, 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 the fire. So that that's my issue with this Netflix documentary. Not to mention that let's strip everything and go back to basics. What is Netflix? It's entertainment. Even if you watch a documentary on Netflix, if it's not entertaining you, you're going to stop watching. Netflix isn't school. Netflix isn't here to like educate you on like etiquette and racism. And like, it's not an education platform. So like at the same time, if you put out something on an entertainment platform um, to, to force people into liking you, you have to kind of accept that it cut co- it's going to come with a lot of press scrutiny and a lot of opinions and nothing else because yeah. that's what people like to do they like to watch shit and yep. they like to talk about it and they like to comment on it that's what netflix is here for what show are you watching did you like it why didn't you like it why la 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 whatever so exactly. fuel to the fire um so from my personal experience my personal and very unrelatable experience 
Um, I'm actually very familiar with the medical system in the UK, um, which, by the way, is also kind of the reason why I moved back to the UK during COVID, because we have the NHS here, which like, I have to say the NHS is the most amazing thing. When I was in America, whenever I had like a health emergency or something, it was all like, do you have enough money to pay for this? Do you have insurance? But your insurance doesn't want to pay for this, like whatever. We have this amazing, amazing thing in the UK called the NHS where like literally a few days ago, I had an emergency. I went into hospital for two days. They treated me and I just left and you don't pay for a thing. It's free. Wow. Yeah. The, the the getting medical care in the UK is free. So yes, when you go into an NHS facility, you know, you don't get your own room. You don't get treated in the best way or whatever. I mean, I was treated amazingly. I have to say they were, you know, they're, sh- they're understaffed and whatever, but they were amazing. But so um, we have that here, but then you have the option of going, to, of going private that you know and this is where you get kind of more of an elevated treatment you get your own room you get a nice bathroom you can you know um you can choose your doctor you 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 choose your consultant um when you go into an nhs facility you never know who's going to be your doctor you just know that it's going to be someone who's qualified for the job and so um obviously i'm pregnant so you know i am very in a very, very, very fortunate position where I'm able to have um, my child privately because of the insurance that I have or whatever from Switzerland, like whatever. I, I, I got very, very lucky and very privileged. So what that means is that you get, you know, your own hospital room, you're not in a wards after you give birth. And there's there's all these like amazing things that come with it that make it more of a like a luxurious experience. That being said, when you give birth in a private clinic that is lovely and super nice, if you do have an emergency, right? If something goes wrong, you do not stay there. You go into an NHS hospital where they where they deal with the emergencies. Do you get what I'm saying? Yep. And so basically, um, if you are a high-risk pregnancy, for example... The one thing that you would want to do is give birth somewhere near an NHS emergency center hospital. What I thought was really weird is that, um, I mean, I don't know if I'm getting giving you too much information, but she, the royal family has this tradition of having all their babies born in this super cute like hospital um wing of uh, an nhs hospital that's called the lindo wing and it's mm-hmm. like a private um it's a private little part of a bigger nhs hospital okay and this is where they all give birth to their children and, and there's do, a few reasons the photo for that up on the steps afterwards right on the steps yeah. yeah and after doing my research on all these like clinics and all these places there's a few reasons why they do that, I believe. Number one, as they say in the documentary, because of the location, they can um, shut the, the whole street, which is safer for them to come out with the baby and like, you know, make an appearance. And it's it's a bit more privacy for them, which is great. At the same time, it's private. It's a lovely uh, little clinic and it's intimate, whatever. And it's right opposite an NHS hospital, which is why a lot of people that go private like to have their babies there because it is kind of a safer option if something was to go wrong, right? So it is lovely. Is it the most luxurious private clinic that exists in London? No. The most luxurious private clinic that exists in London is the Portland. And that is where Meghan Markle wanted to give birth and here's the thing the portland hospital is not on a little quiet little side street that allows you to have that you know privacy close down the street whatever that the lindo wing would allow you to have um no and also it's not the traditional place where like the the royal family would have their babies and i do think there's something nice about having like a tr- traditional place in the photos but whatever doctors are personal and we all have our triggers 
Um, but also it's nowhere near an NHS hospital. So when she's like, I'm older and I'm higher risk, I'm like, well, if you're higher risk, you don't want to be at the, the Portland is the, is, is the clinic where you, you know, it's like people who go there are usually people that are predicted to have a very, very easy delivery. Right. 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 That's where I was like, you're a bit of a diva. Right. Like, because the narrative is that I'm older. I have a, a more high risk pregnancy. I only feel comfortable with my doctor because we have a close, intimate relationship, which immediately made me think, oh, they must, she, like, this doctor must have delivered her as a child with the way that it was sold to us in the documentary. And then I was like, wait a minute, she didn't grow up in the UK. Um, so this is obviously a doctor that she was introduced to after she found out she was pregnant. So they've only been working together for what, seven, eight months at best? Yes. Yes. And honestly, like, I have to say, I completely understand, like, you have your doctor that you feel comfortable with. And that is super important. Like, when you're giving birth, you want to feel like you have someone familiar that is looking after you. But one of the reasons why I was like, I'm definitely not going to give birth at the Portland is because I'm like, I don't, I wouldn't feel safe there because if there was any kind of emergency, that's not where I want to be. So the fact that she used this as an argument, I was like, that is just factually a bit like, are you fucking joking? Yeah. That's, that was kind of my issues. There were a lot of those little things where like we would say something, but I'm like, but that doesn't actually add up. And I feel like the pushback that people give is like, oh, well, that's Megan's truth. That's Harry's truth. This is their truth. And I'm like, but there's a difference between your opinion of something or your perspective on something and then what factually just checks out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like to me, when I heard that, because I know the ins and outs of like, picking a place to give birth. Yeah. I was like, you just wanted to have a nice birth at the Portland. You wanted, like, yeah, you wanted nice to have a food fancy- that they serve you. Yes. And so that's but, but, why- but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe she did have a relationship with the doctor. I don't know. But like, right. that's the reaction it, it provoked in me when right. I, when I heard that. Which to me also comes with the, okay, so we have a tradition, all the other women for, you know, multiple decades now have all given birth at this one hospital where we do the photo up on the steps and it's tradition at this point, right? Okay, you want to shift things, you want to change things, you want to do it at your hospital, it makes things a little more complicated, your photo doesn't happen on the steps, it happens a few days later, whatever. That's fine. That's fine. But when you do things like that, there is going to be a reaction and a perception that you are being a bit of a diva because you're changing a tradition that has been in place for many years. So when you want to come in and say, I can bring radical change to the monarchy, that's going to come with a reaction that's not always going to be the most widely embraced. Exactly. And you have to be okay with that reaction. Anytime that you go into a very, very, you know, established institution and you rock the boat, you are going to get a reaction and you Mm -hmm. have to be okay with that, especially if you do things that are going to cause a reaction. Fine. What I didn't like about it is then because you get that reaction, you try to make it about you and the safety of the baby and the pregnancy because you're older. And that is bullshit. Yeah, that is not true. Because if if you did it for the reasons that you say you did, which is I'm older and I'm a high risk pregnancy, that is not what you would have done. If you know anything about the medical system in the UK, that is not what someone who is scared of a high risk pregnancy does. Okay, so that whatever. Yeah. And that that. Yeah. I mean, it was my same issue with like what they said in the Oprah interview, and I've already touched this on this on the show before, but like how she told Oprah, oh, we got married three days before the actual big ceremony, and I hated the big ceremony. I mean, that's obviously hyperbolized, but she was not a fan of the big ceremony because it didn't feel as as intimate for her and Harry, and they did a private ceremony with just the, just the two of them and the minister, and that's when they actually got married, and they sold Oprah this story, and then the minister comes out, and he's like, that's not actually true. I 
signed their marriage certificate the day of the big ceremony, and that was the real wedding, and I did not privately marry them in a private ceremony three days before the big ceremony. And then now that he's come out and said that now in the documentary, the narrative has shifted, and she's like, oh, we first of all don't even talk about the ceremony that happened three days before. We only talk about the big wedding. And she talks about how incredible the big wedding was and how she just wanted her croissant and her mimosa, and she wanted to listen to going to the chapel, and she loved driving down the streets and seeing all these people at the wedding and embracing them. And I'm just like, that's a completely different story than what you told Oprah, what, less than two years ago? Can I just say, I I just had a thought as you're saying this. I'm like, why are we scrutinizing this so much? I'm only doing this because you fucking decided to To do this documentary. And to lie. I was not interested. I was not interested in your life until you put yep. out that documentary. And then when I watched it, I was like, that ain't true. I was That is why I'm interested. I wasn't interested prior to the Oprah interview. And then they did the Oprah interview and that made me interested. And then that made me question things. And then that then triggered me to want to read Tom Bauer's book when that came out. And then they go and they do this Netflix documentary and she signed and the Netflix their Netflix contract is reportedly a hundred million dollars. Not to mentioned their reported $20 million contract with Spotify to do the podcast. And then Harry just this week is now out doing press to promote his new book Spare. So it's like you signed a book deal with um, Random House. You signed a podcast deal with Spotify. You signed a, a, net, a documentary, multi-documentary deal with Netflix. But yet you don't want anybody to question you or to have interest in you unless it's blind adoration. And that's bullshit. Listening to that's Harry. exactly what I was going to say. Yes. That is the reaction of someone who is upset that people didn't love her. Mm -hmm. It's not um, the reaction of someone who just feels like they've been treated unfairly. That's like a bold statement for me to make on a podcast. I'm definitely going to get so much hate for this. Oh, my God. Just don't read the comments. It's fine. Let them attack me. Oh, my God. But like, like, okay, fucking attack me. But like, sorry, like, honestly, to me, yes. I, I'm I, I like observing like sociology, like people's behavior and stuff. And like, to me, that is just someone trying to make people love them. And it's someone who's upset that people didn't love them when she expected people to love her. Like, I, I, I here's the thing. Kim Kardashian okay. isn't doing a documentary about her truth and how people don't understand her. She puts her shit out there and she takes it both ways. You know what I mean? Because the Kardashians know that they're a media fixture. So they continue to put themselves out there to stay relevant and to also try and stay ahead of the narrative, but know that they're never going to fully control the narrative. They can only tell their side. But when they tell their side, it's going to be picked apart and scrutinized and people are going to have issues with it. You know what I mean? But they continue to actively put themselves out there. And they don't complain about wanting more privacy or wanting a more quiet life. I mean, here's the thing. So uh, Harry, Prince Harry was on Good Morning America and said this to uh, said this earlier this week as part of his press tour for his new book spare where he's telling his side of the story. He said it never yeah. had to, uh, he said I it never needed to be this way. I want a family, not an institution. I want to get my father back and I want to have my brother back. And my immediate reaction was then don't fucking trash them in a worldwide Netflix documentary that you were paid 100 million dollars for. Don't insinuate that they're intentionally leaking stories to the press against your wife because they're racist. When you say shit like that, that ruins your fucking relationship with your father and your brother. And I'm pissed about that because it's like you want to go out and play the victim while you're also throwing out these big accusations, not to mention in the Oprah interview, they consistently tried to to say that their family is racist. If your family, is that ter- if your family is that terrible and that racist to your wife, why do you want a relationship with them? You can't have it both ways. You can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't not be a, war- a part of the royal family, but want them to pay for your private security. It's bullshit. And although he has taken, you know, the steps to become anti-racist, like he was racist yeah. too before. Yes, yes, he And he's done a lot of the yeah. inner work and you see a lot of that and he does yeah. have a lot of reflection in the documentary yeah. and I want to give that credit too. But yeah. Yeah. 
No, like every, like racism, ignorance, and power. Like every, right. every, every everyone's racist. Right. Do you know what I mean? On we, some we level, need to learn, we deep, need to be. Yes, and we're yeah. all growing, and we're all learning, and we're all taking steps to be better yeah. and to work through our but unconscious like, biases. As yes. someone who was, you know, ha- had been had done racist things yourself, don't point fingers. Yeah. Like try and try and help the situation. I don't know. It's easy for me to say because I'm not in the fucking royal family, but um. I was going to, yeah, so that's what I was going to say to you as well. I was like, the proof is in the pudding. Like, you know, Megan is like, I don't understand why people are like giving me this reputation of being the person who like divided this family. Well, before you came along, they were cool as a family. <laughs> so no, but I no, no, it's true. It's true. It's true. It's just, I never thought of it. That's it, like, that's true. They were, they were doing, whether they weren't fine behind closed doors on a public scale, they were all cool and kosher. You know, listen, William and Charles weren't on great terms. Prince William and his father, they weren't on great terms, but eventually they were able to make it nice for the public perception, for the good of the Royal family and for the good of the monarchy. Everyone has, Everyone has family drama. Yeah. But prior to Meghan, the only people that were like thrown out of the the royal family were because they were like sex offenders. <laughs> like yeah. Prince. Uh, what's in it? Like, you know, it wasn't because of like a yes. family like yes. feud. Yes. It was over like big shit, you know? Yes. Um, I, 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 and this didn't come from me. I actually did a bit of research and I looked in like into what people were thinking in the UK, like, you know, just the general public being interviewed. And people were saying like, you know, Megan tries to say like, I didn't, I didn't want to like ruin this family, but like, until you came along, like they were doing fine. <laughs> so it's um, a very valid point. It's so true. And then also, did you see, um, did you think, I mean, obviously, but did you think that um, Michelle Obama was kind of throwing shade at her in that video? Oh, 100%. I mean, it's yeah. And so it made me think it made me think I I wanted to like just put it out there because that that made me think deeply. And like, I'm pregnant and I fucking hate life. Like, I don't want to think that deeply about anything, but I did. And I I was like, you know what? It's easy to say, you know, you when you live a life of service, you have to think of the folks that you're serving or whatever. When people love you, you know, I was like, it's kind of easy to say, but at the same time, then I was like, you know what? Megan and Harry feel so strongly about so many causes. You know, they 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 yeah. talk about in the documentary, like mental health, racism, um, family, uh, press and how evil the press is and stuff and whatever. And then I'm like, you have all these charities. You have all these organizations and you are a victim of all these things and i'm thinking was there a way that you could have maybe used your your power and your platform and your um activism yeah to kind of turn these negative experiences of yours into helping others never having to deal with these struggles that you've faced. Although, yeah, obviously theirs is going to be different because they're a royal family and it's very unrelatable. But I'm just saying, like, you know, not being able to get um, uh, uh, help, uh, right. not being able to get help uh she needed yeah mental well yeah no no what was that what was the word she used when she was very depressed not being able to get psychological help yeah within the institution that would have been a great opportunity for you to go and maybe change that for the better but rather than do that you leave and you make a netflix documentary crying about it and I think yes. that's maybe what Michelle Obama meant yeah. in the sense of like, yeah, maybe she was too weak to kind of do those things and help people. But as someone who portrays herself as an activist from age 10, that is what a true activist would have done. Look at Michelle, I believe. Look at Michelle Obama for perfect. For instance, people did not always embrace Obama and Mich- uh, President Obama and, and Michelle. They didn't. Always, some people in America loved them and some people in America strongly disliked them. And Michelle was like, you know what? I'm still going to go out and I'm going to focus on my charities and I'm going to support my husband and I'm going to go and power through this. And I believe in Tom Bauer's book, there is a mention of, of Michelle Obama. I think it was... 
I think she had chatted with Megan at some point and she gave her some advice or there's something I may be confusing some of the details, but I remember there being some advice that Michelle had given to Megan of like, it's not easy and you're going to get a lot of heat, but you also get a lot of power to do a lot of good with the influence that you have. And that's what you need to focus on. And that's what needs to be your motivating force if you're a true activist. And the funny part is in the Tom Tom Bauer book and what more power and influence can you have than being in the royal family in the UK for all your charities? The interesting thing too is Tom Bauer also kind of lays out this argument that charity and philanthropy were never really part of Megan's true interests as much as they were things that she would use to bolster her social status because in Hollywood, people did not fuck with her. She was on Suits, yes, but she was never really going to gain that level of celebrity that it seems she wanted to achieve. And then all of a sudden, she happens to find a prince that she's never heard of before. And then she happens to uh, marry into a royal family that she's never heard of before with rules that she has to Google. And it's too hard. So then they move to Canada and leave the royal family. And then when their private security gets pulled and they don't want to pay for their own, they suddenly become royal refugees that have to seek asylum in Tyler Perry's Beverly Hills mansion where he has to pay for security for them and then they're warmly embraced and given an opportunity to sit down with Oprah and tell their truth and tell their side of the story. They make these wild accusations and then cry when people criticize them. I'm like, you're adding fuel to the fire and you're putting yourself in the line of fire and I can't feel bad for the royal refugees. (laughs) Read. Sorry, what you're saying is so 100% spot on. And I did read it. Um, I was reading about it today. There was an article and they were saying how all these media outlets were so against this documentary. And a particular, oh, I can't remember who it was. I can't remember names, whatever said, you know, <laughs> the, big, the biggest victims of, the, of this world are Meghan and Harry. You know, people are like, literally losing their lives with the cost of livings and the bills and the post-COVID, like the recession, like there are so many people suffering in this world. And the two biggest victims are Meghan and Harry. They literally dedicated an entire episode to how hard it was for them in 2020 and how they finally were able to deal with the impact of a global pandemic by going into Tyler Perry's quiet mansion and how this open space allowed them to go on walks and to be I'm like do you realize there was a mom at home with three kids that she had to work and homeschool at the same time and she was struggling to pay her bills like and and you're really going to talk about your struggle in 2020 like everybody struggled in 2020 and of all of the people none of us had Tyler Perry flying us in on a private jet while you're trying to save the ozone and while you're getting private security in a giant mansion with all of this like open space i was confined in my tiny little apartment here in downtown la and like come on no i will say no no yeah no like duh obviously but also like all the money in the world does not buy you like all this money will not buy you happiness so if there was like other if there were other things you know that was tormenting her or whatever like I fully understand that I fully embrace that but like the way that it was presented it did not look like they had a leg to stand on to be the world's biggest victims in my opinion um I'm sure they struggled biggest victims nah You're not going to get that kind of sympathy today. And that's that's my problem with this documentary. Same. That's my issue is the victimhood. Here's the thing. If you said we wanted to leave the royal family because it was fucked up and it was shitty and we couldn't take it anymore. And so we came to America and we wanted to, you know, rehab our image and and make a paycheck so that we can support ourselves. Fine. I'm cool with that. Exploit the shit out of the royal family. Maybe your book should be called Lies the Royal Family Told Me. And I would buy it and I would be like, yes, let me read that scandal. the documentary i by the way i forgot to tell you before that documentary didn't teach me anything new i watched it and i was like really i knew all of that like i had read it somewhere maybe it was exaggerated in a tabloid but like we know how to take it with a pinch of salt and i literally watched it and i was like where are the secrets revealed no like where is all the information i wanted to find out about what happens behind closed doors in the royal family i was like none of that shit was presented to me in this documentary. The only thing that you have done is voice your issues. And when you are someone who wants to voice your issues, make it about yourself. Be like, listen, this was fucked up. I could not deal with it. Right. Okay. So I made the decision to leave to protect myself, but don't be like, 
those were the issues. Boom, it's boom. their fault. Bye to you. Yeah. Like it's the media's yeah, fault. Fingers. It's the family's fault. It's Prince William's fault. It's Prince Princess yeah. Kate's fault. It's the Queen's fault. Like it's everybody's fault. And we're pointing all the fingers as to why their life is so terrible when it's like, but your life, it really isn't that terrible. And yes, there may be parts that are ter- terrible. But like, if you want to make yourselves more relatable and you want people to empathize with you, then you need to meet us on a human level and not meet us from up here and then point down at all the other reasons on why your life is so fucked up and it's everybody else's fault when you're continuing to put yourself into the line of fire. Prince William has not come out and said anything bad about Meghan or Harry when I'm sure behind closed doors he's ranting and raving about these two. Listen, you remember what was said about Kate Middleton? That is something that as a UK person, I do remember um, about Kate Middleton because I was actually living in the UK when she got engaged to um, Prince William. Um, People were saying that she had been groomed to, like basically she picked her university because he was going to that specific university and her and her whole family had been... um, uh, had been accused of basically doing everything in their power for them to meet and them to get married and her to become the queen. Um, that's what they were accused of wow. to groom their daughter for, for that moment to meet him at this university and be with him. So that's not, I mean, if something like that was said about me, I'd like, it's I want to fucking shoot myself. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying yeah. like, can you imagine people people never questioned the romance between Meghan and Harry? People yeah. were just like, cool, like you're hot, you like all the models, you're a Hollywood yeah. actress. Like that makes sense. That made sense to everyone why they would kind of find each other that way. Um the, Kate and William's whole relationship was questioned by everyone. People were saying that her parents orchestrated the whole thing. No. That's fucking shit, by the way. No, the documentary only told us that, that Kate got nothing but great coverage while Megan got nothing but bad coverage. No, at this point in time, Kate is getting good, very good coverage. But when, Kate when knows she when got to shut engaged... Up. Yeah. Huh? I said, yeah, Kate no, knows she when to... Yeah, she knows when to not egg on the media she knows to not try to sue the press and thinks that that's going to make the situation better well the thing is you know people thought said she was insincere because obviously you you marry a prince and you're seen as like a a a fucking gold digger like a prince digger whatever you know what i mean that's the reputation you're going to have especially when you're nobody like you're not a hollywood actress you're not someone in the public eye that's what you're going to get seen as that's what the press is going to call you and that's what she was seen as and called by the press for a very very long time and after years and years of being married and being great and having kids and being literally the image of class and elegance um people are like wow like no she was in it for the right she stuck by him she stuck through this she you know she um, whatever and yeah. i'm gonna get so much hate for this as well i don't even know what to say anymore this is my opinion i can't hide it sorry yeah. listen you're on hashtag no filter people have an expectation to know that the conversations <laughs> we have are going to be unfiltered despite what it is and listen i open myself up to criticism i come on this show and i open up my mouth and i know some people are gonna like it and some people aren't gonna like it i'm not gonna go and then yeah. cry victim and say oh my god people are being so mean to me when i wake up every day and i put my opinions out into the world not everybody's gonna of like course. me and not everybody's gonna love me and that's not to compare my scale to the scale of you know being married into the royal family but like you know at some point you have to have a level of self-awareness of how you're contributing to the issues and I don't think Megan or Harry have that level of self-awareness because if they did Harry would not be on a book tour right now promoting his new book about his life in the royal family yeah and by the way we are both criticizing them and saying you did this wrong you did this wrong would we have done better probably not probably not we're not getting married to princess we're not getting married to Princess. I'm not putting so. myself in the royal family. And listen, if I did and Netflix came to me and was like, we're going to pay you $100 million, I'd be like, pay me $120 million and I'll give you the secrets revealed version of everything. I'm not going to give you some victimhood. Oh, my God. Woe is me. I'm going to lean into it and I'll give you the full story. I'll be like, you know what? I saw the queen show her bum and it was it was perky. And I would give you the full scoop, you know? Do you think the Queen's bum was perky? I can't believe I'm talking about this. It's <laughs> no, horrendous. but it makes a good um, story for Netflix. If Meghan and Harry get to does. lie on Netflix, why can't I? 
Lich. <laughs> I I would have I have a great pitch for a Netflix show. Let me tell you. Now that I know that Netflix is like sponsoring all the lies, right? Give me a show. That's my issue. Is docu- documentaries have no longer become about being, you know, something that we learn from, and they've become PR stunts. They've become, you know, no. But documentary over the years were always people have always said. I studied documentaries in school. They're always biased. Yeah, a documentary is a biased piece of of content of information. Yes, that's what it is. You want to educate people, charity, schools. Like, no, read th- a book. that's yeah. not the way to do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. read a book. Yeah. Um, But I mean that it's now become the thing for celebrities to do documentaries to tell their truth. And their truth is, you oh. know, cannot be questioned. And like the Casey Anthony one, perfect example where I was like, and there are moments where they almost catch me. And then I'm like, but wait a minute. I put, let me put my thinking cap on and let me use my, my critical thinking skills and like actually question some of this stuff because it's bullshit. And so many people think that a documentary is going to, it has a higher standard than it actually does. And you're right. Documentaries are always going to be biased because they're always going to present one side of it. My issue is now how celebrities have capitalized off of the genre of documentary and they're using that to craft a narrative that isn't fully authentic. And that is like not fun to watch. Like, do you no. think Meghan Markle's funny? She's not funny. Six <laughs> like, hours, Diana. Six hours is what I wasted my life on with these two. Like, can I just say, like, if I'm going to watch someone's documentary, forget the lies, forget all the things, forget all the political stuff about it. I kind of want them to be a little bit entertaining to watch. Like, exactly. She's not really, she's not, she's not funny. She wasn't no. likable. She, it was a bit theatrical for me. Like, Very you know, on, on a, on a production, you know, putting my producer hat on, Harry's cooler than her. He's like, funny yeah he has a personality whereas i think with her it's like show me you're a great person don't constantly talk about all your charity work don't constantly try to show me how much you're like diana just show me who you are and then let me decide whether i like you or not but you trying to make me like you by talking about how great you were growing up and by talking about all of the charity work and the diana comparisons in every single episode no Sorry, swipe left. It's like it's like dating. It's you know what? It's like dating. When you try to make a guy like you, this guy immediately does not want any fucking thing to do with you. The minute you are just yourself and you're not looking, someone like falls madly in love with you. Yeah. I, 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 it's that's how it works. Yeah, I agree. Diana, That's thank my you. Conclusion. Thank you for coming back on hashtag No Filter and giving us some royal dish. Is there anything you want to pimp out or plug or or send people to direct their their comments to? First of all, thank you so much for having me. Like I've not done this in so long, so it was just so much fun to do this again. Um, to pimp out, well, in case you didn't know, I started my own skincare business. Um during the pandemic where I haven't created a skincare line. That's too many of them. But what I do is I sell um, independent skincare brands um, that do not have the budget for marketing and things that are amazing, better than mainstream brands, a fraction of the price. And they're they're super cute and fun to use. And it's called beautyplayground.uk. And then, yeah, the aspirational podcast will be coming back and hopefully we'll do so many more of these collabs because I've always enjoyed them and I really enjoyed today. And thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening to Hashtag No Fields with Zach Peter. Go and give Diana some love. Go subscribe to her podcast. Binge some of the old episodes. I've been on a couple so you can listen to our banter before she got married and got pregnant and when she was young, hot, single Diana back in the day. So go give her some love. You can give me a follow if you want to keep up with me personally at Just Plain Zach. If you want all the latest tea, you can follow the podcast at No Filter with Zach. We're doing lots of Jen Shaw coverage. I cannot wait for this Friday. It is the countdown to lock her up. Well, at least to her prison sentencing. And then she'll be locked up a few weeks later. But stay tuned for that. I've got a new recap of Real Housewives of Miami up on the Ringer Reality TV podcast. And a new recap of The Circle Season 5 also up on the Ringer Reality TV podcast. So go and tune into those now. 
I will talk to you. We're not doing our regular Thursday Night Live, but we'll do a Friday Live right after Jen Shaw's sentencing. So we'll go live in reaction to whatever the judge decides to give her. It is going to be a wild, wild day, and I can't wait to go live with you then. So I will probably talk more shit on Megan and Harry over on the social media. So if you want more royal coverage, head over there. All right, guys, I love you. I appreciate you. And I will talk to you soon. Bye.